got it all in control. He's got it all in control. You put that reassurance way down in my soul. He's got it all.
Sister Judy Dyer uh, went to be with the Lord this morning, and uh, so we want to remember Brother Dan and the family there as they make preparations. I believe it was a glad reunion day this morning for her, though, to step back in that young body again and, and to meet those loved ones on the other side. But as we know, we, we're left here behind for a moment, and thankfully we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have such a great hope of a land beyond the river. Amen. I want to pray, pray for Brother Jerry Roncalli. 
asked for prayer this morning, having severe pain in his back. Uh, Sister Jeannie Camp asked for prayer for her daughter Rachel to have hip surgery this Wednesday. So I remember her today. Also remember, continue to remember Sister Jeannie Camp and her battle and Brother Ron Spencer. Amen. Those different ones we have continued to pray for that's been up on the overhead. Just continue to call out unto God for their behalf. How many have a need you just want to make it known to the Lord and say, Father, come by our way and speak to our heart today. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, we want to say how much we love you and appreciate you, Lord. God, we can truly say we've been blessed to know that you walk among us and and all that you do, Lord, the miracles you work among us, the healings, the deliverances, Father. Lord, there's not enough ink, there's not enough paper to write out all the things. As, as John would say, the scrolls could not contain all that was done or all that has been done. Lord, we want to thank you for being that kind of God who's mindful and merciful, Lord, and knows our needs and situations. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because you're with us, Lord, even in us. Lord, we ask that you would come down today and comfort our brother Dan. And Lord, as he lost his sweetheart, Father, and Lord, of many years and, and going to be layered into the grave, Lord. But we know roses will bloom again, Lord. There'll be another spring. And Lord, we'll come back together again, Lord, as young Lord, people in perfect health and harmony, Lord. Oh, God, we just ask you to comfort him during this time, we pray. Lord, Brother Jerry Roncalli suffering in his back, Lord. Just go by his place today and touch him, Father. Sister Jeannie asking for her daughter, Rachel. Lord, just be merciful on her behalf. Sister Jeannie, Lord, battling this cancer, Brother Ron. Lord, I, I know we understand we have the winners and the Conroys and Lord, the Dexter's out with the fluid sicknesses around, Lord. We, we just ask, God, you be merciful, Lord, on their behalf. Brother Joe that's out on preaching, Lord, and they're also bearing a loved one there, Lord. Sister Rachel's brother, Father, we ask, God, that you would just comfort them during this time, we pray. Lord, this service this morning, we give it to you, Father. And we ask, God, that you just come amongst us and speak to us. May your spirit, Lord, just... Begin to touch our hearts once again, Lord, to lift us up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lord, we give this service to you, everything to be said and done for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's just turn around, shake one of hand, welcome each other to the house of the Lord. Amen. If you got a visitor next to you, make them welcome as well. Say it's good to be back with you. We had a wonderful time. There in Canada with Brother Kelly Hildebrandt, God did a lot of wonderful things, and we're thankful. Thankful to have Brother Aaron back and Sister Lydia and those that went with them. And Amen. Just good to be back together again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just sing that song. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. Amen. That's the brothers that would take up the offering this morning. My heart was distressed, the Jehovah's red frown. Oh, in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord. Pretenderly brought me out to roll, 
It's a high 
Times I've gone astray. 
so good to be in the house of the Lord today. See each one of you here. I, I hope nobody feels like a visitor. And, but, you know, if there's someone that's not here regular, we hope you feel welcome today and a part of the service. And that you just enter right in with us. Man, good to have you, Brother Jay, back. I saw you Wednesday night, and it's good to have you back in the service of the Lord. As I was coming to church today, I was singing the song, Precious Memories, how they linger. And, you know, the different memories and things that go down life's journey. And about that time, um, our sister Judy Dyer uh, slipped across on the other side. You know, they were they're very dear friends of ours. She's, um, they live in Tennessee and, and uh, part of Brother Donnie Reagan's church and just been bosom friends. And in fact, um, you know, uh, somebody asked one of my grandchildren one time, uh, have you seen your grandma and grandpa lately? He said, no, they live in Tennessee. So Karen said, well, what are we? You know, so she, but anyway, that's how much they were loved. They were just so loved. And Brother Dan has been a great friend of mine, very, very close through the years and someone that, ah, almost like a father figure, a big brother anyway, and uh, someone I could, lean on, talk to about things of life. And um, we just had a lot of wonderful times together with me and the Dyer family. And I loved Sister Judy. She was very precious. And uh, Brother Dan, just a prince of a man. I just want to stop for a moment and just remember these as we go to prayer. And also we have the Williams family, Sister Rachel Schultz's brother, um, the Adams family uh, as uncle that has uh, slipped on the other side and they'll be they'll be uh, having a service on Tuesday you know our sister Helen Williams has been coming here part here and it's got to be hard having another one of her children pass away and here she's in her 90s we just need to ask God to give grace during these times you know, it really shouldn't be so much a time of sadness when we know the joys that lay ahead. And man, we got a couple of that here in our own church that are on hospice and, you know, may cross over any time that we don't know when they will cross across the, the division line between time and eternity. But it's close for them. So we're just asking God's mercy upon all. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, along life's journey, you have helped us to forge friendships because of a brotherhood. That brotherhood because, comes because of a father. And Lord, that makes us all brothers and sisters. And we thank you, Lord for the privilege that we have of having wonderful people in our lives. Lord, that men and women who have run the race before us and, and left big tracks for us to walk in and follow. And Lord, I, I feel that way about uh, the Dyers. I, I believe they were just some of the most wonderful people. Lord, the cream of the crop, the blessings of God, 
upon this earth. Lord, we, we just pray that you would comfort Brother Dan at this time. Lord, we think of the Williams family and Sister Helen, bless her heart. Lord, way up in her 90s now, and, and um, her daughter's sister Rachel, and Lord, oh, the only sibling left now in that family. I pray, Lord, that you'll give comfort and strength. Lord, I pray, God, for the Rissler family and the Coleman family that has uh, loved ones that are about to cross over, that you just be merciful. Lord, I, I get myriads, just all kinds of prayer requests from different places just because they know that we're a people of faith that believe God and, and trust him and know his word comes to pass. Some of them are financial needs. Some of them are serious physical needs of cancer and trouble. Uh, Lord, that, that, that call on us and, and, and write us sometimes almost daily. Father, you know every situation. And I pray that you'll meet the needs of your children. And across this land, Lord, may faith rise in the hearts of people in, in, in spite of the adversity that we're in. Lord, may something, as we look at the adversity, swell up within us. Something rise up that says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray that you'll give strength to your people across the world, across the globe, wherever they are. Some of them already had their services. May you just meet their needs, Lord. I pray, dear God, for your, this uh, part of your elect right here gathered this morning. We are in this service. But, Father, we have not gathered in vain because you said you would be here. And, Lord, we want you to be then the principal theme of our talking, our walking, and everything we do or say. We want it to be you. And we surrender ourselves to you to serve you today. Lord, may you speak as you never before so clearly, so precisely to hearts. May you be here the discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. Even repeat back conversations. Lord, are the thoughts or ponderings of men and women in this church and across the world, Lord, as they listen in. May your name be glorified. May you be magnified among us and your name lifted high and your people edified and blessed in your presence. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Let's turn to John chapter 4 and verse 19. And as we're turning there, I want to thank you for uh, your continued mission offerings that you give and things that, um, you know, we continue to support the little church in Japan with, um, with uh, help every month on their rental facilities. And we have, um, we have had, since the time that you uh, gave uh, that nice, wonderful mission offering here some months ago, back in 2023, we, we've been able to have another 100, nearly 130 more translations um, made and put there on the, on the web for every Japanese believer anywhere around the world. And some of these are, are just very, very um, pertinent sermons that, that will be something that will strengthen them and help them. And um, we, we want you to realize, um, you know, that you're part of this ministry and a part of that 
So, you know, if you ever have a mission offering you want to give, uh, always just take an envelope and put a missions on it. We'll make sure that it goes for that purpose. And sometimes it'll, it will be um, maybe, uh, maybe to uh, places in Africa. Sometimes it will be to Japan, sometimes to, to the Philippines. I can't promise you unless you designate it exactly where it will go. But um, I will tell you we'll use it tried to use it for the glory of God. So if you'll turn with me to John chapter 4 and verse 19, we're going to read from there this morning. And this, of course, is a woman at the well who has had a divine appointment. Jesus had a need to go by her way. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountains, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit And in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to today speak on the the token on display. we, We have come to the hour of true worship where that we have just read today and, and I believe it is an hour like that of true worship where we must be worshipers of God in spirit and in truth. And of course, you know, this is a, a special hour, a day that we're living in because this is the day, the hour where the bride must be glorified. You remember in the days of Jesus, the hour came that he had to be glorified and and um, and of course we're in that very same hour now as we have moved from from the Calvary now to through seven church ages um, to the last day and it is the hour then that the token must be on display and 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 this is such a vital subject uh, even brother Branham recognized this as so because he in referring to his sermon on the token, he said, it's the highlights of my entire ministry. Now think what kind of emphasis that he placed on this vital subject, that it would be the highlight message of my entire ministry. And so the highlight, of course, is the highest point or, you know, or what all of his ministry was pointing to. And, and, and just uh, sharing what he said about it, I, I know that everything has worked for months and months and months up to that one message and moving to come to that place. It was a capping off time of it. So he spoke of it as being the height of his ministry, the climax, the, the capping off. And, it, and, and of course, he uh, spoke about that after, and then uh, thinking about the seven seals that had been revealed, he said, with all the messages I ever brought that was absolutely ordained of God outside, of course, the regular commission like the seven seals and things that was directly the word of God, 
I'm talking about a message to preach. I believe that was one of it, see, that, that needed to follow those seven seals. And then he said, now watch what came after the seals, the uniting of the people. He spoke on uniting time and signs and united signs and the, the red light flashing in the last days, the sign of women getting prettier and man, what they would do. And all these signs of the Holy Spirit head leading up, then come back here to the capping off of all those messages since the seals is capped off in this one thing, the token, that we're all right. Just check ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And of course, I, you know, I think even in this moment as we go now forward now, actually many years from that, we, I, I am convinced we have, we have arrived at the zero hour. Where the death angel, of course, is in the land and there are screams of death and dying everywhere. And, and of course, there's going to be a people that is going to escape the things that are coming on the earth. And they, they will be like Israel when they left Egypt out that first time that they left out with a high hand. And I, I believe we're going in a rapture. I believe there is an escape. There is a way out of here that we won't go through the judgments that are coming upon the earth. But we are at that zero hour where that you must be prepared. And, and you say, well, Brother Tim, I made that a long time ago. It's time to really make your calling and election sure. There can't be any guessing, any wondering, any pondering, any, any, anything there. You got to be sure that you know, that you know, that you know. Because to leave here, you must have a, a ticket, a, a sign, a token that your sin debt has been paid. And the only token sign that will be accepted is the Holy Ghost. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Now, of course, you know, um, Peter would, would tell us like this. He said, you, you got to add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then, of course, be capped off with the love of God. And, of course, this is a process of sanctification that caps off a person with the very divine nature of God, the Holy Ghost. This is the same charity that the same basic quality of divine nature that Paul spoke about. Charity is not some mealy, mealy, um, wishy-washy, gooey love. Charity is the Holy Ghost. You see, it's the divine nature of Christ. It's God's basic nature. And, and though you speak with tongues of men and angels, though you have prophecies, though you have all faith to move mountains, and though you give your body to be burned, or though you, you give away everything you have to feed the poor, and though you understand all of the mysteries and have all knowledge, if you lack the Holy Ghost, it's all for nothing. So this is how important it is. Now, of course, you have the Pentecostals say, we speak in tongues. That's our sign. We have the charismatics that says we move mountains with our faith. You know, we have uh, the, the Catholics who will say our nuns, our monks take a vow of poverty. 
The Jehovah's Witness will say, we have actually given our bodies to be burned. We, we believe what we believe so much that we have actually, you know, been killed and persecuted by it, for it. And many message people will say, well, we understand all the mysteries. But I just want to say again, if you lack the Holy Ghost, it is all for nothing. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1 and 8, for if these things be in you and abound, it shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Notice what he said. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Oh, I'm elected, Brother Tim. I'm predestinated. I know I'm a predestinated seed. and I know that God has called me and I'm elected and whatever. He said, make sure. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Because if you do these things, and he's just talking about adding your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, brother, uh, brother, kindness, and godliness, and so on. And he said, if you do these things, if you have been capped off with the Holy Ghost, you will never fall. For such an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what we, the token is. It's an entrance that is ministered to you. And God is requiring a token. It's a sign that the lamb has, and that the death of the lamb has been applied so that the death angel can pass. You see, a token is a sign. There, there is a train that is bound for glory. And you must have a ticket, a ticket showing that the purchase for your journey has been paid for. You cannot just show up, you know, even to get on an airplane without a ticket, without some kind of proof of purchase that that your fare has been paid for. You know, a a Baptist might present his works and, and say, you know, I've made my profession of faith and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and yeah, if you do that, you shall be saved. Did anybody get that? You shall be saved. If you really make a profession with your mouth, a confession with your mouth and believe on the Lord, you're gonna, you shall be saved. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. But just a mere confession with your mouth ain't going to get you there. A Catholic will present his works. I've been baptized since an infant. I, I pay, my, pay the rosary every day. I burn a candle every night. A Pentecostal will say, well, I spoke in other tongues. A charismatic will say, we have performed miracles and many marvelous works in his name. And you know the answer to that. There'll be many like that that day. He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And some, well, some others will say, well, I believe every word the prophet said. I believe the mysteries, you know. I believe, But none of this will work to get on the train. To some, he will say, depart from me. Now, the first time this word token 
was used in the Bible was to use to describe the sign of the covenant with Noah. God set a rainbow in the sky and proclaimed it as a sign of the covenant that God would not destroy the world again with water. So again, it's a, the rainbow is a sign of a covenant. The second time it was used was when God made a covenant with Abraham that God required a token. And that token was a sign of circumcision. The penalty of not having the sign of circumcision, that token was to be cut off from God and his covenant. God used the word again to Moses, giving him a token, a sign, saying that this will be the sign that I will surely be with you. That I'm not only giving you this sign of a pillar of fire, but you will bring the people uh, from Egypt and worship me upon this mountain. Now, what a comfort that ought to have been, that no matter what the opposition, that he knew that, you, you know, the word of God said, you will serve me on this mountain. I'm going to give you this mountain as a sign. I appeared here on this mountain. And you will bring the people right back here. Oh, I don't know how many times Moses must have have looked at it when he felt opposition. When he saw the, 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 the Pharaoh do what he did and hardened up his heart. But God, you said, you would get me to that mountain with his people. He gets boxed in with the Red Sea and maybe Moses forgot. But God had said, and God didn't forget. Amen. I've given you a sign, and that sign is uh, you're going to get across this Red Sea. I, you know, makes no difference what's around you, how much enemies behind you. You're surrounded everywhere. There's no way through. Just go forward because you know the mountains on the other side. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I don't know how to respond. Sometimes I don't want to know how in the world we're going to get through the, the, the troubles and the problems that are in this age. But I'll tell you, God promised, amen, he gave us a Holy Ghost and he said with this sign, I'm going to take you in a rapture. I'm not leaving you here. And when I see the calamities, when I see death everywhere, when I see problems in the world and problems in our nature, I know this, he said, he said, I'm going to take you through. I'm not going to leave you here. I'm going to take you in a rapture. And there will be an escape for the things that are coming upon this earth. No matter the opposition. Now, in Exodus 12, God, you know, it was declared that God would judge the people in the land of Egypt. And you can be making your way over to Exodus 12 in your Bible. We'll read it here from verse 11 here in a moment. You can actually put it up and just hold it there. But I want to talk about it just for a moment. As we, as we look at this, that there was coming an, a death to every firstborn. So it was announced in that exodus, death is coming. Death is on its way. And look, all had sinned. There was nobody that was guiltless. And I look upon you today, that's exactly what you were. 
have sinned and none of us was worthy. Every one of us, if we got what we deserved, let me quote Brother Branham said, you'd go to hell. That's what we're deserving of. We don't deserve a rapture. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve to escape death. If we've got what we deserve, listen, listen, you say, Brother Tim, I, I've been a very, very wicked person. Every one of us have been there. Maybe not doing what you did or what you did, but just to be, if we send in one point, we were guilty of all of it. I was a sinner just like you are a sinner. If I'd have got what I deserved, I'd have went to hell. And I didn't, you know, and I, you know, I've served the Lord since I was a very young boy. So I certainly didn't get into a lot of, you know, horrible sins. But that don't make a difference. Every one of us has to have a token. Because every one of us, you know, are in that place. Look, all deserved punishment. I want that to be clear. All deserved punishment. Israelites, foreigners, Egyptians, everybody in Egypt deserved punishment. And death was on the way. And a representative of every house, a firstborn of every home in the nation would die in that home. It didn't matter if it was an Egyptian or an Israelite. None was exempt. Every place had to have death in it. It was under judgment. Death will be in Egypt from the Proest house to Pharaoh's palace. There will be death in Goshen in every Israelite dwelling. And there too the firstborn will die. I want you to understand every one of us without exemption have been under the sentence of death. All the way back from Eden, the day you eat thereof, that day you die. But you see, in that moment of time, there was not just a message that death was coming, but there was also a message of grace. That favor was also upon a people who would hear a message that would be brought by a pillar of fire to a prophet and here he would come out of the wilderness with a message from God and saying, listen, the death is coming. It is, the judgment is on the land. Judgment is everywhere. But I'll tell you what, and we're, we're all under that message of judgment, but I'll tell you, God has a covenant with you. Amen. And in that covenant, God has provided a substitute, a firstborn lamb without blemish. And he will die in your house. And there will be a death take place in your house. And with that death, there will come an escape. The wrath that you deserved would be poured out on the lamb and the lamb would die in your place. A firstborn lamb without blemish. Its blood 
would be a token, a sign. A sign on the door, on the lintel. A sign on the sides. This sign would be, would show that a firstborn, the lamb had been accepted as a substitutionary death and his blood has been applied and now displayed. And this is what we're seeing here, the displaying of the blood on the door. And this would show it would be a sign that the death angel would pass over here because this sign shows the firstborn's already dead. Are you with me? Amen. Now, there were to be seven days of unleavened bread, which would represent seven church ages, where nothing but pure, unadulterated word was to be eaten. The seventh day of that feast would be a feast to the Lord of unleavened bread. And we come to zero hour. And we are like Israel in that same time as like Israel when they were leaving Egypt and the death angel is going through the land. And let me just say again, in America, our freedoms are dying. People are dying spiritually. Families are dying. Churches are dying. And I, I tell you, you can see the effect of it that is happening everywhere that you look. You can see death happening in the families, death happening in fathers, death happening in mothers. Parenthood, there's death in it. Motherhood, there's death in it. In our schools of learning, death in it. We have a whole leftist agenda that is there being pumped out and a whole generation of people filled with death. Our values are gone. Families are dying. Churches are going, dying. There's hardly, a, a, there's hardly a, a, a thing that is happening. There, it, you know, it's more and more and more going more secular toward just dead religion. Cycle of revival and death never fails. Yeah, I'm trying to plant, paint a bleak picture because that's what it is. I'm trying to get you to see we ain't in ha-ha land. This is not a time of, 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 to be frivolous and you know, just having a bunch of gaiety. This is a time of really sincerity. If we ever was sincere. And we, we must be continually in Passover with all the leaven and sin gone and drinking the wine of the Holy Ghost and eating the lamb, the word of God, and, and with the blood, the life of Christ the very life of Jesus, the Holy Ghost applied. So you see, he would tell them, you will eat it as a people prepared to leave. Let that sink in for a moment. A people prepared. And now we're, this journey you don't pack up to go. You unpack. You get rid of the leaven. Yet leaven's a type of sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. You shall eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and, and ye shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This was a required readiness for any moment the trumpet's going to sound. And when the trumpet sound, you're going to leave Egypt. 
And I'll tell you, that's exactly where we are in time. We have to be in a state of preparedness. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. We are in it. Get ready. Make sure, amen, you've you got your staff in your hand, your, your, your loins girded, your shoes on your feet. You know, you're ready. You're eating it. You're eating in haste. Come on. You're not, you're not staying out of church and, and just finding excuse after excuse. No, you're not doing that. You're, you're eating the lamb in haste. You're in a hurry. Let's get this done. Let's, let's get every word of this. Let's not miss a thing. Let's, the, the Lord is, is doing something in this moment of death. God's doing something among his people. Amen. And, and so therefore, let's get ready to leave. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token. That's a sign. Upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now listen, it's not going to do any good to have that blood sitting in a bucket in the house. It's not going to do you any good to have a collection of 1,100 tapes and Bibles in every translation imaginable. None of that's going to work. What he says, I've got to see the blood. I got to see that the, a lamb died for you or otherwise death is coming here. And death is coming on churches. Death is coming on homes. Death is coming on individuals. We're in that hour. But in that hour, there's a people going to escape death. The pale horse is about to be released for his ride. And if you know anything about the four horse riders of the book of Revelation, you know it starts out as a white horse and then it becomes red, the same horse, same beast, same power, same antichrist. And he finally, you know, it morphs as it was and changes red with the blood of the saints as it kills. And then the dark ages, it becomes dark and black. And then the finally it goes into the pale. But this morphs from one to the other. And I want to say it's more gradual than instant. The first splashes of the red blood of the saints turning that bloody red would maybe still had part white. Further it went, it's all red. Then it starts turning dark. And it goes in from dark red into black, into total darkness. And then we're moving now from that, and you can see the pale begin to mix right in. And the Bible said, his name is death. So if I'm not right, if you don't think I'm right, this is the Bible. The Bible said in the book of Revelation that he's coming and his name is death. Well, it was death all the way in the first age. 
when it was the white horse, it was, come on, it was the Antichrist, it was death then, it was death there, but now he's coming in his full power. And the Bible said hell follows him. And I'll tell you what, if you want to stick around here for hell, you can, but I don't want to do that. And I'll tell you this, the fourth horse rider cannot go in completely, he cannot turn totally pale until the bride leaves. But we're so close. You talk about the lamb that rose up in Revelation 13 with freedom of religion, with civil and ecclesiastical powers. He looked like a lamb, but in the end, he started speaking like a dragon. And we're hearing him more and more speak like the dragon, Satan himself. This is where we are. We're in that hour. Look at, you know, we, we, can, we can hear him coming. And man, we, we hear it coming. We see the precursor of it, the forerunning as, as the winds of war and strife are already blowing. We look at Israel now. We see them there having to cope with the most evil, murderous spirits killing young and old, ripping open bellies of pregnant women, taking infants and putting them in the oven. Hideous, heinous crimes. Hate like you've never seen. It's not just a war, it's a spiritual war. I hope you hear what I'm saying because right now, even against you, it's a spiritual war. And it's a, it's a, the devil hates you. And he's pouring out his venom everywhere that he can. And there he comes to rob and to kill and destroy your life, your home, your marriage, your everything, your husband, your child. He don't care, young, old. He come against the church. He comes there to rob, to kill and destroy. Comes there murderous with heinous crimes. He don't care how he hurts young people. He don't care how he hurts the children. He don't care how he hurts the old people. He don't care. There's there's no mercy with him. The spirit of the world hates the Holy Ghost. The spirit of the world hates Holy Ghost services. The spirit of the world hates divine healing. The spirit of the world hates prophecy. The spirit of the world hates anything supernatural. And they will sit there to find some way, some justification to kill it. They despise the blood. I want you to understand this blood, even here, was a despised blood. It was a despised blood. The spirit of the world there in Egypt despised that. Listen, Egypt, we Egypt worshiped cats. 
house is a representation. I don't care if you have a cat. Let <laughs> I me mean, give a this, you know, qualification right there. Have a cat. Enjoy it. But don't worship it. You know the difference between a dog and a cat, right? A dog look at you and say, you're so adorable, you're a god. You just provide everything, you're whatever. And you pet a cat and he says, I'm a god, pet me. <laughs> Egypt worshiped cats, but they despised sheep and shepherds. Hello, somebody. Amen. This is why Joseph told his brethren who, by the way, were not allowed to eat with the Egyptians because of being shepherds were despised, look down on people. And, and, in, and in Genesis, um, uh, Joseph told them, said, you say you're, the servant's trade has been about cattle from our youth even to now, um, both we and also our fathers that you may dwell in the land of Goshen forever. Shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So even to be a cattle raiser, you were a, a, a low-class person. And, and, then, and then, of course, Egypt was an agricultural land, and their diet, according to Numbers 11.5, was mostly fish and cucumbers, melons, leeks, and onions, and garlic. Some say sheep were detestable to them and considered unclean. Think about Egyptians. They were meticulous with hygiene and cosmetics. Several ancient Egyptian records have been discovered and shows how to take care of one's skin and preventing aging. Does that sound familiar? Papyrus has been found that contained instructions for hygienic and cosmetic product, care products like mouthwash and perfume. They were, they were very, uh, you know, very meticulous about the body. They smell and whether it's mouthwash, perfume, uh, you know, uh, hygiene, washings, cosmetic care, uh, you know, show, showing yourself younger than what you were. You know, there was instructions even on how to get rid of your gray hair. They wore fine linen. Linen is very breathable, meaning that they didn't sweat as much as in the desert heat, you know. And pure linen is also has a quality of being odor-resistant. But shepherds were low-class of people. They were not rich enough to afford linen, but certainly had access to animal skins which, to make their clothes. So wool and other animal skins were the most popular materials for them, for, of them who were come from Canaan. You know, they were like the, the low-class, they wore like the low-class garment of John the Baptist, a cloak made of hair. They were stinky. They were considered unclean. I want you to get it. I want you to see there, there was a class difference. There was different emphasis on dress and how that they did. Homes of middle-class Egyptians were kept to a high standard. To an Egyptian, lamb's blood on a door was an, would make it an unclean dwelling. Lambs, lambs offered to God was a high offense. And this is why Moses said, let us leave it and go to the wilderness for our sacrifices are an abomination to the Egyptian. The very thing you are offering to God, our people hate, detest, disdain. Your worship 
is detestable to an Egyptian. The world cannot stand who you are. You get, oh yeah, you get blood all over you when you worship. Come on. The blood is the life. And when, when, you, when you, listen, listen I, I don't want to get too gross here for, but for a moment, but for you to understand, I mean, I, I raised animals, butchered many of them. But they would take and just stroke that animal there, find his little juggler there, and quickly take a knife, and it would begin to spurt out blood with awe, every heartbeat. And you can't do that without getting blood on you. And I just want to tell you, if you ever get in a church where the blood is flowing, where the Holy Spirit is moving, and you really are a worshiper, you can't help it but get spirit all over you. And the world hates it, but God loves it. You get so bloody. Listen, that's the way that an eagle is. He is a ripper of the beak. Amen. A, a, a real, a real eagle can be forced not to eat carrion, but he will eat the live. And when he rips with the beak, the blood flows. He gets blood all over his head. He gets blood all over his body. Amen. But it shows he has been eating live food. And I tell you, we got a living word. And when an eagle begins to eat on it, all the life of that gets all over you. Hallelujah. You get lamb's blood on your clothes. And you apply it. And I'm going to say, and we're going we're to take this to a spiritual turn for a moment. Because we're talking about the blood of Christ, which is the Holy Ghost. Understand, we don't have a vial of blood. We don't have a cup of his blood. So how are you going to be, how are you going to be cleansed by the blood? Well, you see at Calvary. When his blood flowed, the blood cell broke open, releasing the life of God. It came back on the day of Pentecost at the Holy Spirit. So, you know, today when we say, when I see the blood, we're talking about when I see the Holy Ghost. When I see the Spirit, Jesus, God said, I'll pass over you. This is how the death angel will will pass over you because I see the Spirit. I see there the death of the lamb has brought his life upon you. And that's the sign, amen, that something died here and paid the penalty for your sin. So you apply lamb's blood on your clothes, on your house, on your body, on your spirit, and on your soul. In fact, You're God. The one the world detests is the great shepherd himself. And you are the sheep of his fold. And the world hates you. You are in Passover from the moment you get the Holy Ghost. The blood applied with the three stripes upon your body 
three places, your body, your spirit, your soul. Every bit of that, the blood has to be applied in three places. That is the gateway into the body. Through the body, through the body comes the, the, the senses, the, the gates, the doors, which is see, taste, smell, feel, and hear. That's how you contact this body, through the gates of your senses. The inner sense, which is which is on the inside of that, we, we is this human spirit. And the human spirit is the intellect. So there's, there is memory, imagination, reason, and conscience, and affections. And all of those are, are gates now into the spirit. That's why you got to be careful what you feed on. Amen. You know, and even with what, what you look at with your eye, set no evil thing before you. This is why, why we get rid of television. That's why many of you needs to, you needs to really apply the token, the blood to your internet. Amen. Why? Because you see from there, I talked to a dear young girl. The first one, the first one, now we, we had evil spirits cast out before, but this was the first one that was so demonstrative. Came up into the meeting, and as I anointed her with oil, she changed to a grotesque creature, crouching down with the most awfulest look on her face, swinging her hands and saying, I won't come out, I won't come out. tried to strike me. I could just feel like brush of wind come by me. But she could never touch me. And that prayer line, that demon was cast out. I talked to her the next day. I said, where did this come in? You know, this just seemed like a little innocent girl, an innocent teenager. Raised up in a Christian home, come from a good message church, you know, uh, that, uh, with, with great preachers. And she said, it was not something I physically did. It was things that I was looking at. They came in through the eye gate into the realm of the mind. And now took over her until she was possessed. Oh, she ate lunch just like everybody else. She had breakfast while like everybody else. She did things like another uh, normal teenager. But something was on the inside of her controlling her. That's why the blood has to be applied. The Holy Spirit applied to what you look at, what you listen to. That's why you don't want to just go and listen to the gossip of unbelief. Because spirits travel on words. Come on now. And you, you are, you are, we are right now in Passover from the moment 
you get the Holy Ghost, you are in Passover. The blood is applied with three stripes on your body, your spirit, and soul. The Bible said they shall take the blood, strike it on the two side posts and the upper door post. Now, so it must be applied to three places. Let's look at it. First Thessalonians 5.23. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's how it's preserved blameless. You get the blood on it. Now, without the sign displayed on your door, now what sign? That the life of Jesus is applied to the body, spirit, and soul. Notice, the Holy Ghost is the sign that God requires. He, he's not looking for your, how great you speak in tongues and how often you speak in tongues and how much you dance on the floors. He's not looking for, you know, uh, giving your body to be burned or knowing all the mystery. He's looking for his life. So the question comes, is the Holy Ghost on your soul? Has it changed your nature? You know, you might have put it on your body and you danced down the aisle, but did it get beyond the body into the spirit realm and cleanse your spirit? Did it go from there into the soul and put God's nature and seal you to the day of redemption? You see, the Holy Ghost is a sign that God requires. Is the Holy Ghost on your soul? Has it changed your nature? That's what we want. It doesn't matter how much you prophesy, and it was right. How much you spoke in tongues, and they were genuine. How much you danced, and it was really the spirit that moved on you. Or how much your dress is holy, and there is nothing anybody could say about the way you dress. What he's looking for is the Holy Ghost. Now, is it keeping your human spirit under control? Some of you, listen, some of you don't, haven't even had the Holy Ghost on your spirit, on your human spirit. It's not even got that far. It, it hadn't ever went past, you know, it got into your ear and, you know, maybe in your intellect a little bit, but it didn't go any further. You know, is it keeping it under control? What about your temper? Your affections, your desires, what are they set on? Does it keep you from fornication? Does it keep you from pornography? Does it keep you, you know, are your, are your affections set on things above? That's what you want to ask, you know, are your affections, where are my affections? Where, where is my heart? Where are my treasures? What is it that I desire? You know, is it upon your body? I, am I even asked, you know, does it even show in your dress? Is there a pull toward the world? We've heard a lot about girls and how they're to dress and should be below the knees and not tight and not form-fitting. Don't, you know, don't use your purse strap, of, you know, going down between your breast and, and things like that. You know, all kinds of things we've heard. But, but what about it? You know, even, even, for, the, even for the boys, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into maybe what you think is a gray area, but I want, I want to just talk about it for a moment. 
you know, you see it a lot of times among our young people, you know, next thing you know, there's a hoodie. Well, that's nice for warmth. And there's nothing wrong with wearing that for, for, for that reason. But don't wear the thing to identify yourself with the hip-hop culture so that you can look cool and blend in with sin culture. In every way, look like a Christian. You know, there's nothing wrong with man wearing jeans, but for crying out loud, don't, don't wear skinny jeans. Men shouldn't look like sissies. Wear necklaces and perms. Come on. You know, uh, again, you know, this, this is all. Has the Holy Ghost been applied to your body? Is it showing a Holy Ghost taste? I want to read you a scripture. It's from Jude chapter 1, because there's only one, verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And then, you know, if I would do anything, even with this, any sermon is, is to save with fear. Listen, judgment is coming. All will be there. Yeah. Amen. But watch, pull them out of the fire. Hating, what's now? Hating, somebody read it with me. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Or spotted by the carnal mind. If apparel has been spotted, tainted, or defiled by the filthy designers and trends of this age, hate it. Now, I, I know you want me to give you a list of do's and don'ts. This is not a law, this is something you need to let the Holy Spirit deal with you about. If you love the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. He should be the principal theme of our talking, our thinking, our singing, our walks, the principal theme of our life. If he's the principal theme of the Bible and the Bible's in us, then he should be the principal theme of everything we do or say or think should be Christ. So you apply the Holy Ghost. Is it applied to your prayer life? To your Bible reading. You know, don't, don't forget the simple things. Get the leaven out of your life. Feeding on social media is not going to rapture you. Amen. Addictive gaming of killing and murdering and filthiness and, well, you know, where you can pretend to kill and rape and murder is leaven. Get it out of your life. It ain't, it's filthiness. You can't feed on the unclean things. Well, I'm a lamb, well, get out of the pig pen. You know what, I want to say this, who you are in your private life is your real person. And if it doesn't produce holy thoughts, it's leaven. So, you know, the first part of this whole thing is get rid of the leaven in your life. Light a candle. Go through everything. Make sure there's nothing 
nothing that is leaven. You see, we are seeing the flashing red lights of the sign of his coming everywhere, and, and it's not the time to get in line over, over here for a, a worldly bag of peanuts. We well, say peanuts are good, but they ain't worth missing the train. And some of the things that you're talking about are just peanuts compared to a rapture, compared to being on the train and going to glory. It's just peanuts. A lot of people come down to the altar and say, oh, I'll have to give up my boyfriend. I'll have to give up my girlfriend. I'll have to give up my, my this. I'll, I'll have to give up my smoking or my drinking or this or my partying or my friends. Peanuts. Compared to eternal life, peanuts. Amen. You've got to be willing to forsake all. Follow him with all your heart. Unreservedly. Everything. Get rid of the peanuts. Forget it. Don't get in line for peanuts. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hang out with these old friends because I want them to see the change in me. Why don't you go to church and bring them here and let them see a change in you? I don't care what your distraction is. Any, anything distracting you from getting lined up to get on the train for glorious peanuts. What will your cute look do for you if you miss the train? You'll be sitting there with your cute look. And the train left. What will your makeup do for you? And you missed the train. Instead of makeup, what, a, what about some Acts 2 and 4 that gives you a clean heart, a clean spirit, and a clean look? You know, yeah, you learn from the Egyptians what to do to look glamorous and look like them. I ain't talking about looking like them. I'm looking, talking about looking like the place where we are from. Well, we look strange and they look at us and we're weird and we're this. You know, know, they they think, I don't really care what the Egyptians think. When, When I went to Israel here some years ago, you know, we were getting on the plane and I looked and there's all these funny people, you know, with their prayer deals and their prayer shawls and their hats and their their habits and, and, and all of the stuff that they had. And I looked at, you know, these, I'm, I'm riding to Israel with these. They're, they're pretty strange looking people. They had their, you know, and they're, they're orthodox with their ringlets and whatever. And, and I... I'm looking at them. We're getting on the plane. You know, I get to Israel. And when I get in Israel, ain't none of them look strange. They look like they belong there. This way they, this is what, this is what they look like. They, they were dressed like the place they were from. Amen. We have a citizenship of heaven. We are to reflect heaven. Come on, we're not to change to be like the world. We are a representative of heaven. We dress like this because we are of heaven. We live like this because we are of heaven. 
Go ahead and worship your cats if you want them. I worship the lamb. Now, you know, so as Brother Brandon said, a little Acts 2 and 4, it washes you up. You want me made up to look glamorous in the eyes of the world. Satan is the author of that kind of beauty. Acts 2 and 4 will put some cosmetic on you that Max Factor knows nothing about. See their faces all lit, lit up with the glory of God. It's an eternal beauty that won't fade away. It's a meek and quiet spirit that's acceptable to the Lord. Max Factor was one who, you know, learned how and invented makeup in these modern times, you know, because he took and first did it for on-screen people to make up under the lights and whatever, but he, he t- took and began to make products so women could look glamorous all the time. And so he said, now it ain't pain and scissors that cuts your hair, that bothers you. It's that spirit in you that makes you want to go get it. That's what it is. Max Factor could make all of it he wanted to and lay it over there. And if you was a Christian, you'd never touch it. I mean, if you were baptized with the Holy Ghost and living where you ought to live and your pastor preached the truth and let you know about it, you wouldn't even care a bit. I'm thankful I preach to a church that most of them are like that. I don't have to even speak about these things very often. Why? Because they're living such a life beyond that. But I'm just telling you, peanuts. You don't have time for it. We're to be eating the Passover with haste, getting rid of the leaven. In the first Exodus, there was a physical display of the blood that a lamb without blemish died. Brother Branham tells us in the message token that he said, but in this glorious place, under this covenant, there is a difference between the blood and the life. So we don't have a physical paint. We have the life that was in the blood. The token for the believer today is the Holy Ghost, not a blood, a chemistry, but it is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the token that God requires of the church today. God must see this token. He must see it in every one of us. So God must see the Holy Ghost today, even as he had to see the blood in that day. He must see the blood for the death angel to pass. You know why? Because the evening shadows are appearing. The wrath is about ready to be poured out from on high upon ungodly nations. You know, upon ungodly believers, upon professors without a possession. You see, and, and so, you know, we are living with the shadows and the wrath is ready to strike. And God in this moment is requiring a token that you yourself have received his token, the Holy Ghost. And it's the only way and the only sign that God will ever pass because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ returned back to the believer. God's life, his spirit. His literal life must be on display. On your job, at school, at home. Listen, if it doesn't live at home, it ain't worth nothing. Christianity has to display its token. Publicly, in your public life, at, at your office, 
on the street, with troubles around in the church, and of course, most definitely at home. You know, the blood is the token, and the token must be applied. You know, because without it, the covenant is not in effect. This promise of a rapture has no meaning to you. This promise to escape the tribulation is not even applicable to you without the token. You can talk about it and say, well, I'll tell you what, I can't wait for the Lord to come. I've seen him do it. Oh, Brother Tim, I, as he draws on his cigarette and he's lit one off of that one and smokes another, said, I'm convinced of my salvation. I know I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and I am a Christian. I know right now, you know, if, if the trumpet would sound, I'm ready to go as he drew on his cigarette. But no matter how much you say you believed, how much without the token, without the Holy Ghost, it's all for nothing. Now, you're, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're absolutely so different from anything the world ever saw. You know... You're, you're a creature of a new creation with a new identity. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. Jesus was the first of this new creation. And he was so different from the rest of them. The world hated him. Religious people hated him. Everything hated him. Crucified him. Is that right? Yes. Amen. But with, with his death, he brought forth many brethren. Yes. And on the day of Pentecost... I'll tell you what, that's when, that's when Satan went into a nervous panic. When he saw not just one Jesus, but 120 born of the same spirit that was of the same species come out of the upper room speaking in heavenly languages. Oh yeah, come on, empowered by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Amen. And what was that? That was the first of a new race. And everyone that is born of that is a brand new species. You are not of the old creation. You are of the new creation. Put up, put up Galatians 2.20. I want you to see this. And let me just paraphrase it as we do. The old man is dead. Yet I'm living. And again, it's not me, but Christ is living in me. And the life that I live by the flesh, that I live by the, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So look what he says. The life I now live, that old life is dead. I'm crucified with Christ. We're going we're gonna to dwell on that for a moment. Crucified with Christ. Now, so you see, here he says, uh, it's not me anymore, but it's Christ living in me. It's the identified token that God requires. You know, that identified, that we're identified with our sacrifice, the life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So it's the Holy Ghost is our identification. It identifies our, uh, our, us as Christians. Now, it's not our membership in church. You can belong you can go belong to this church all you want to. Going into a, a barn don't make you a horse. Coming to a church does not make you a Christian. 
So I would like to get, get them in church. I, I really don't want them in church. I want them in Christ. Now, I do believe that church ought to be a gateway to, to show them Christ, where they can get in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. I get that, but really, I'm not wanting members. What we want to see is bona fide, born again, sons and daughters of God, blood-washed church who knows who they are, who lives by faith. The what faith? God's faith. A living faith. Because a living Christ is on the inside of them. It's not how much you know about the author. It's how much is the author living in you. You reckon yourself dead and the token is what lives in you. It's not your life. It's him. So we're in a cycle of time. A new cycle of time. Well, explain yourself, Brother Tim. Well, it's the time of the Holy Ghost. It's the time that the literal life of Jesus Christ must be there. Well, hasn't that always been the case? No. In the type, there were different aspects of the whole process. Now, you bear with me just for a moment. The first step, a firstborn lamb without blemish was to be chosen and kept up from the 10th day of the month Abed until the 14th day of the month. So now from the 14th, or the, uh, from the 10th to the 14th, that would, that would be the, the first lamb, the firstborn lamb without blemish was chosen and kept up, examined, made sure he's without blemish because he's got to be an acceptable lamb. Now, that was Luther's day. What a great message. You know, there, there was five days of celebrating the lamb. We, we have found the lamb. The one to die in our place, he's without blemish. And, and we're not without blemish, but our lamb is without blemish. Now remember again, let me just go over it. I want you to get it. They looked for a lamb without blemish, not a worshiper without blemish. And when the lamb was brought before the priest for the sacrifice, never was it that he would look at the worshiper and say, is he without blemish? Is there a flaw in him? Is his nose crooked? Does one finger bend out? Is he crippled? Is he lame? Is he halt? Is he blind? You see, it had to be an acceptable sacrifice. But he wasn't looking at the worshiper. He was looking at the lamb. And that's the way it is with you. We're not looking at you, the worshiper. You're a sinner. That's what you were, a sinner. You did wrong. You were, you were blemished. You were damaged goods. You were awful. You had sin. You were worthy of death. But what happens? When you take the lamb without blemish, you place your hands on the lamb. And what happened? It transfers your sins to the lamb and the lamb dies for your sins. That 
That's all we're trying to get you to do is to recognize that your lamb is without blemish and lay your hands on the lamb and transfer transfer your sins on the lamb. Now the problem with that blood is that the lamb's righteousness or without blemish could not pass back on the worshiper. But in this covenant it's different. In this lamb, when you lay your hands on Jesus Christ and accept his dying and death in your place, it transfers your sins onto him and his righteousness onto you. Hallelujah. So that you become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, if that won't make you want to speak in tongues, I don't know what would. I could, I could speak in tongues in every language right now over that. So therefore, you see, from the 10th to the 14th was when this lamb was taken. A 10th day, the lamb chosen. 11th day, they celebrated the lamb. Oh, he was a perfect savior. He went to the cross. He paid the price. Look what he did. Twelfth day, celebrating the lamb. Thirteenth day, celebrating the lamb. But at evening time, on the fourteenth day of the month, the lamb is slain and its blood applied. Get this. Watch the type. The blood, the token, has to be applied in the evening time. It is no longer just talking about the worthy lamb. What he did at Calvary, how he died on the cross. You hear him preaching today, it's the cross, it's the cross. Sure, it's the cross. Sure, sure, he was a righteous lamb. You know, all of that is true. But if that's as far as you go, the death angel still gets you. To have your lamb kept up is not going to save you from the death angel. The blood has to be on display. Now, Brother Benham tells us the token never came into existence until the evening time. And this is the evening time of the age we live in. This is the evening time for the church. This is the evening time for me. It's the evening time of my message. I'm dying. I'm going. I'm moving out in the evening time of the gospel. We've been to up, come up through justification and so forth. But this is the time the token must be applied. So now the message changes. It's no longer just about celebrating the chosen sacrifice, the cross, and how he died for me. But the evening time message is to apply the token. The lamb's blood must be applied. The blood's been applied. The token of life that was in the blood is upon you and you're safe from wrath. See, the hour is here where the token himself is identifying himself right among us and proving he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And he's right with the word and it's got to be applied. And a man that says he's got the token, deny this word, then what about it? You can't do it. The token has got to be there. And when the blood was shed, the token was sent down on the day of Pentecost like a rushing mighty wind. Now, that was the theme of every apostle. Amen. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? That should be the theme of the bride of Christ. 
Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? You believe the message, but have you received the Holy Ghost since? Have you, you know, repent, every one of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. For it's a token that you pass from death into life when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's an hour the token must be displayed. So does the message live? That's the question. Is the Holy Ghost being applied? There must be the dying of the Lamb. Now, I'm going to get this part if I don't get any other. There must be the dying of the Lamb. But how different was that for, with us? This is much different today. Then the Lamb died. Blood was applied. But with us, the old man has to die with our sacrifice. Understand, Galatians 2.20, put it back up again. I am crucified with Christ. So it's not just the lamb dying, but you are dying with your lamb. I'm talking about your old man. Judgment has to come on it. Amen. Jesus spoke of the brass serpent. Let's just take that type for a minute. John 3, 14, watch this. Moses lifted up. He's talking to Nicodemus about you must be born again. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, John 3, 14. And even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that strange? Put that first verse up, verse 14 again. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Isn't that strange? That Jesus would liken his death, his dying, his offering to a serpent. A snake? Why would he liken himself to the serpent that Moses lifted up for all to see as an atonement? How in the world could Jesus be represented by a a serpent? Notice the serpent represented sin. And it being made of brass represented judgment. So when lifting up the serpent, it was showing sin has been judged. Now, remember them in the wilderness. They had been bitten of the serpent. They had been bitten of sin. And they had sinned against God and had, was dying of snake bite. And the antidote was that to lift up a serpent, a brazen brass serpent, showing their sin had been judged. And anyone who would look on that would live. Amen. Somebody with me? Now, Jesus was not sin. We know that. He was not sinful, but he became our sin. The Bible said he became our sins that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So you see, the the sacrificing of the lamb as the worshiper laid his hands upon, transferred the worshiper's sins onto the lamb and died in his place. The serpent was dead. There was no life in it. Notice, I want you to notice, it was a crystallized, brazen serpent. No life, couldn't move, couldn't breathe. It was dead. No life. 
Somebody with me? Amen. When Jesus, Jesus died, and, and there, when he died, let me just say it, he died so dead, everything said he was dead. No life in him. He died completely, totally, completely for you. That when we put our hands on him by faith, we transfer our sins to him. And yes, it's awful. But let me tell you, Jesus took our sins to hell. And when he did, he paid it all. Hallelujah. Every sin, ever, ever sin of pornography, fornication, adultery, drinking, smoking, whatever it is, he took it to hell. He paid the penalty. Are you with me? But that's not all. When we truly believe on him, he not only takes our sins to hell, but our own life, our old sinful man is crucified with him. And not only did he himself go to hell, but he took you to hell with him. Every seed gene of God, come on with me, get with me for a minute. Every seed gene of God, you were in him when he went to hell. No, hallelujah. Think about it. That's why hell is not for you. You have already been to hell. You have already conquered it. You already raised up on it. And that's why hell has no hold on you now. Hallelujah. So when we truly believe on him, he not only takes our sins to hell, but our old life, our old sinful man is crucified with him. And not only did he go to hell, but he took you with him. Now go all the way back to Abel and the first offering of sacrifice. Abel died on his altar with his lamb. Is that right? And in order for you to be born again, you have to die on the altar with your sacrifice. You got to become just as dead as he was. And you're born again. The serpent had no life in him. And you have no life in you for you are dead. And the, and the Bible said, and your life is hid in Christ through God. So you cannot keep your same spirit. You see, this, this, is, this is the problem. You, you say, well, but Brother Tim, I've asked God for the Holy Ghost. He's not going to come and give you the Holy Ghost. As long as you've got sin nature still living in you. Him, listen, you cannot have two thrones on your, or two, two kings on your throne. He will not sit there and, and co-reign with Satan in your life. And you were born with sin nature as the king of your life. And that sin nature has to die. And a new king comes. This is why people don't get born again. It all goes back to repentance. Listen, it would make God a liar. If you repented and was baptized and into his name and didn't get the Holy Ghost, it would make God a liar. Well, I, I tell you, I've asked God and I've asked God. Nothing's wrong with God. Nothing's wrong with the formula. It's the divine vaccine. 
It's eternal prescription. Nothing's wrong with the medicine. Don't go and adjust it. Go back and look and see if you took it right. There's directions on the bottle of salvation that starts with repentance. And repentance is dying from your sins. Come on now. It's turn away. You can't keep your same thoughts. You got to die. You got to die like he died. You got to die on the altar like Abel did with his lamb. You got to die with your lamb. You got to die to your thinking, to be born to his thinking, so that the mind of Christ can be in you. You got to think God's thoughts. How can you think his thoughts and deny his word? How can you claim you're born again? If you're born again, you got his thoughts. You got the mind of Christ in you. You're a new creature. You're a new species. Amen. Amen. The word creature in the Greek is translated a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He is of a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Now, so think of that. Go back for a moment. Make sure I covered this. Repentance. Nothing wrong with what God said. Something wrong with your repentance. Oh God, oh God, I'll serve you. But can I just, can I just, you know? I, I, but, 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 well, kind of like this girl. You know, going to serve Christ. She's interested in a boy in my church. So she. Found out, you know, I, 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 I want this boy. So she gathered all her makeup and all her pants and all her stuff and went and put it in a, a plastic bag, went out and buried it. Got rid of it all, buried it. She wanted this boy. Well, when the boy didn't work up, work out, she went back and dug up her pants and her makeup and everything else and all these treasures. I'll serve you, Lord, but I'm not going to give up my girlfriend. I'm not going to give up this illicit relation. I love her too much. Well, okay, you love her more than you love God. I, well, I'll serve you, God, but I'm going to wear my makeup. Well, he's not going to give you the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I got the token, Brother Tim. Yeah, but you got paint that you try to paint over that token and he ain't there. See, the new birth makes you a new creature of a new creation by the Spirit. Your own thoughts are dead. They're so dead, they're crystallized like the brass serpent. Like he died when the heavens and the earth and everything witnessed he was dead. Jesus died so dead that even his blood and his water separated in his body. His death was so tremendous till the world had a nervous breakdown. The earth shook and trembled till rocks fell out of, out of the mountains. Who else could die like that? It never happened when the Pope died. That never happened when a, a pastor dies. That didn't happen. Come on. When a movie star dies, that didn't happen. But when God died in the flesh on the cross, the earth had a nervous breakdown. 
to know the very spoken word of God, the rocks, the rocks, the dirt, the sticks, the clubs, the trees on the earth, the sun turns dark, the moon refused to shine. Why? They were products of his spoken word. And when they saw their creator poured out, sin poured out upon him and his life would leave him and the wrath of God poured out upon him till the sun shut off off its light, the moon refused to shine, the earth had a nervous breakdown, would have burst into pieces if there hadn't been a future for us. And if his elements of the earth was so shaken, what it ought to do to you and me, what it ought to do to our soul when we look and we see what God did for me. Amen, it was all for you, it was all for me. What it ought to do to us, it ought to shake sin all out of our lives. Desires of the world, totally gone. Come on now, amen, how could you continue in sin? Don't you see what your sin did to him? It was your sins that nailed him to the tree. Amen, your sins killed him. They couldn't have taken his life. He took the penalty of sin that we might become his righteousness. And when the righteousness of God comes to us, then sin is dead as midnight. It's dead in our mortal beings. You know, it doesn't matter. Go back and look and see the rebirth of a seed. To see the birth of a seed, what happens? It has to die first. So how are you going to escape it? You got to die first. You got to die. What? Die to everything. Your pride, your desires, your ambition, your thoughts. So that you can be born again. If you don't die, you'll never live again. Now, that doesn't mean don't, you know, turn a new page, but actually die. You know, it's not going to do it. I'm going to do better. I I don't want you to do better. Do better and still be the same dirty, rotten sinner with a little bit of reformation. That ain't going to get you nowhere. Amen. We're not asking you to do better. We're asking that the old man die. Sin is dead as midnight. Your desires, your ambitions, what you wanted, the what you thought was smart, the way you thought was cute, all of your thoughts dead. And you rise with Christ, become a new creature with a new thinking, a new attitude. Well, you got to feel so guilty. I feel guilty, Brother Tim, for my sins. I'm so ashamed. Well, that's good. You got to feel so guilty till when you stand in his presence, it kills you. You got to recognize yourself so guilty in God's presence until the worldly life dies right there and the sin question is totally over. So for his token life to come into you, you've got to die to your sin in order to be born again. That's why it's so short today. People aren't willing to die. You've got to be willing to die. So you see, again, for this token life to come in you, your nature has to change. Now, how, how can you see ladies, or you ladies, let me, let me talk to you just a minute. 
you know, I'm not much of a Facebook guy. If you, if you contact me and you send a message, please don't use Facebook. I may, it may be weeks before I find it. Better not be urgent because I won't know it. But, that, but that's okay. You know, if you want to check in on your grandma every day or your friends, your family, it's got a purpose. But how? Tell me how in God's name. How can you ladies see young girls, even girls from this church or who have been to this church stripped off with indecent clothes on and painted up like a barn and on social media before the world saying, you're so beautiful. You look so good in that. You're so cute in that outfit. Shame on you. That's all I say. Shame on you for complimenting sin. Complimenting sinful behavior. Shame on you. Amen. You, you remember when Elijah challenged Baal? You remember that? There was no answer to the, to the gods of Baal. Or to the priest of Baal, to their God. There was no answer. You see, you see, when the God of Elijah consumed the sacrifice. Are you with me? And when you just accept a creed, it can be a message creed or a form of baptism or you might have emotions where you get up shivering or speaking in tongues and running all over the floor. You get up weeping. But if that offering has been received by God and consumed and the world is dead to you, your old life is dead and gone and where we recognize, reckon ourselves dead and buried with him in baptism. That's what baptism is for. It is a sign. It is a proclamation. It is a testament that the old man is dead, rotten, and we're burying him. That old stinky life is going under the watery grave. But thanks be to God, we don't leave him there. We raise him up to walk in the newness of life. The Bible said in Colossians 3, 3, you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Yes. Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's disgrace. That's what happens. We turn the grace of God into lasciviousness or a license to sin. God don't care what I do. So when you turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, that's, that's a license to sin. That's what the Bible's talking about. You take God's favor and use it for license. Well, God loves me. Yeah, he does. But the rich young ruler, he loved him. And he went to hell. I tell you what, God loved you so much, he provided a lamb, but you can decide, I don't want lamb's blood. You see, I, 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 I don't want to, the, the, the society of Egyptian to see that stinky blood on my door. I don't want to live like that. I don't want a life like that. I, I don't want to dress like that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, we're of the high society. We're better class. Death angel comes. We're talking about salvation from the death angel. Listen, church, if the Holy Ghost is applied to marriage, you're going to have a wonderful marriage. 
If the Holy Ghost is applied to your children, you're going to raise wonderful children. If it's applied to your home, you're going to see the fruits of it. Are you with me? Amen. There's going to be things happen, but watch now. Shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, a resounding, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? This is the whole symbology of the whole thing. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, say it with me, old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might need to be destroyed, that from now on, henceforth, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And that was his whole point of the whole thing. He said, as a woman, as long as her husband is living, she'd be married to another man. She, she is an adulteress. She's under the law of that husband. So you had your first husband, which was sin. And you cannot be married to Christ and live with that old husband. He's got to be dead. And once he's dead, you're free from that law. And you're free to be married to another man. This is the whole thing that he's talking about and teaching right here. In order for you to be married to Christ, the old man's got to be dead. If you're going to come in union with him, the old life's got to be passed. Our souls are placed upon the brass altar of his divine judgment. What was the penalty? When you lay yourself on the altar of God, which is pronounced death upon the sinner, how can you rise from there alive in sin if God's accepted this sacrifice? You die, you're consumed, and you're as petrified as that brass serpent. And just like the brass serpent, there's no more left to you but just this form you're standing here. You're just like Christ when they took him cold and dead off the cross. You're dead, why? Because you're on God's altar of judgment. That's what the altar is for. It's an altar of judgment to judge your sins. Take them and, and there, bring them there and the sacrifice received by fire and the smoke goes up and you rise with your sacrifice into the heavenlies and you're sealed away from the things of the world. Then what happens after you've died? You're conceived anew. He don't leave you dead. You're conceived anew. And you were first conceived in iniquity, and now you're conceived into something new, the living word. And what does that mean? You're a new creature in a new creation, for the old creation is passed away, and all things become new. What is it? The word becomes alive in you then. And when you once couldn't see the things of God, now you do. Amen. And there, that makes all the scriptures dovetail together. That makes all scriptures agree. And, and now you're dead to the old creature and the creation with all your old thoughts. Your desire is dead. And you're conceived anew and washed 
by the washing of the water of the word. So when you're conceived anew, you're born like you, when you were born of your earthly parents in your first birth. You had their nature. But now that you're born again, you have God's nature. Look back up here, Galatians 2.20, and let's focus on this. Because now your new nature is to believe. Faith is your nature. Faith is your life. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God. Therefore, I can believe for things I previously couldn't believe for. Because what? The life I'm now living. I once was this. I once was dead. But now I'm alive. And because that, I'm called to be his bride because everyone with the Holy Ghost has, is a part of the bride of Christ. So you see, then your nature is to believe. Faith is your nature. Faith is your life. Then how can you say days of miracles are past? When God is your father. And if God is your father, and you're born in the family of God, you seek those things that pertain to God. You're God's child. You're, you're, your nature is is God's nature. And then when you hear somebody say, well, our church don't believe uh, that. We, we, the days of miracles are past. Well, how could you believe the days of miracles are past when God is in you? How could you say, deny any of the word? Uh, that's what I'm asking, you know. A, a lot of times people think, oh, Brother Tim, you're all about gifts and, and miracles and signs. And well, I'm just saying, we believe the full word of God. You can't deny none of it. Amen. Your life is a miracle. Your new birth is a miracle. Your nature's a miracle. So how then could you say miracles are past? It only happened in Brother Branham's time. That was just for the divine healing movement. You know, it is if you're of the old creation. It never was for you. But if you're of the new creation, then all the word of God is yours. Every promise for the bride is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Amen. And you say, well, Brother Tim, I believe the message and still sinning. Well, you're deceived. You can't display nothing but the token. The token must be on display. Let the musicians come now. This is a very serious hour. Very serious time. So today you make a call in election, sure. This is not a moment that I want to get every person down here to the altar. I'm not even trying to do that. That is not even a, something I want. Not my efforts today. If you know in whom you have believed, If you have experienced his Holy Spirit, sure, doubters will come. The accuser of the brethren lays everywhere to accuse you of the slightest thing. 
always pointing fingers, always pointing out your, 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 your human failures and flaws. But if you're a real Christian, the moment something wrong come, you just take it and plunge it under the blood and say, Lord, forgive me. Brother Branham would pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He wasn't out drinking and smoking and committing adultery, and you know his life. But every one of us grappled. Unbelief comes and hits us every way. Storms hit our lives, and sometimes even we, the strongest of us, flustrate and doubt. Like I said, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with divine love. So, well, I, I don't, I, that brother hurt me, Brother Timmy, wounded me so bad. I, I, I don't know if I have that divine love. Maybe you hadn't been able to release it yet, but it's there. It's there. You know, you know how it is. There's no two mortals can condemn another. You stand before God and you take a brother up in prayer. And he's done you wrong, terribly wrong. You get in the presence of God and you're reminded of your own shortcomings. And you say, Lord, if you've forgiven me so much, will you forgive my brother? Because no, no mortal can condemn another. We're not here to condemn. We're here because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that if I can get you to look away from the serpent bite this morning and look to him, you can be forgiven. Wipe clean. We you bow your heads for a moment? Maybe you play Jesus Breaks Ever Fetter. Maybe there's evidence in your life that there's chains, fetters. Yeah, I know. I know a sermon like this isn't welcome in a, so many churches today. But we're in a serious hour and I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Have you really laid it on the altar? Have you really laid it on the altar? Is the old man dead? Has he been crucified with Christ? Is he killed out? Listen, a thing in your life, if it's not dealt with, it'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your wife or your husband. It'll destroy your children. It'll destroy you. I had a man call, speak to me this week. And he said, Brother Tim, I, I'd love to be the kind of Christian like Brother David Butts, I, he's a prodigal and away from God. But I'd like to be a Christian like Brother David Butts. And he named some other. I, why, why can't I? Why can't I? 
I believe. I believe everything you ever preached, Brother Tim. I, I believe it's the truth. I believe. Why can't I? Why isn't it for me too? You see, it's all about putting it all on the altar. Till every fetter is broke off your life. Passover was not a time of just a lot of gaiety and party, and it was not a party. It was very serious. The death angel was there. This is not a party. This is very, it's zero hour. There's not another age to come. The final age has come. The final message has come. And God is looking for the literal life of Christ in you. If it's not been applied to your body, your spirit, your soul. Why don't you say God today? I need a savior. I can't help myself. I've tried to reform. I've tried to be good. I've tried to be a nice person. But it don't work. I tried this. I tried that. But it don't work. And I'll make promises. I'll, I'll live right. I'll do right. But it ain't worked. I make my vows and I say, I'll never do that again, Lord. And I, I go back and do it again. See that fetter, that chain of sin on your life. Why don't you ask Jesus today? Why don't you ask him into your heart? Why don't you ask him right now, Lord? I come to your altar. Not necessarily this altar down here, though that's fine. But I come to your altar, Lord. I'm going to lay it all there. I'm going to say, forgive me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Jesus. I've done you wrong. Lord, I've tried to look like Egyptians. I've tried to act like Egyptians. I've disdained the very blood that can save me. I've turned it down. I've not accepted it. But today I want to accept it in my life. I want it, Lord, with all my heart. I want to fully, fully commit my life. God's seen you as you raise your hand to him. May he grant it, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you'll deal with every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. Lord, that you'll just speak to their hearts right now. And I believe that you've been doing it in this service, Lord. Months ago now, it's been from the, from the first of the year that I've, I've just been laying into this very thought over and again. I believe it's been the time to speak it this morning. I want you, Lord, to do a work. Lord, may they see 
May they see the hope that though their sins be like scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they can be white as wool. As far as the east is from the west, you remove their sins from them. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you'll do it this morning. I ask it in Jesus' name for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we sing this right now, there may be somebody here that just wants to make their way down the altar and talk it over with the Lord and just make a full surrender. Will you do it right now? Amen. Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks every Something get in your way. Amen. It's time to make a full surrender to God. And he sets me free. I'm now on the altar. I am now on the altar. I am now. Come lay it on the altar. Oh, God bless you. You see your honest heart. I am now. That's you. Come on, brother. More than you. Amen. For each That's right. Amen. Let's lay it all down at the altar. Here I am, Lord. I just want today to make that full surrender. Right now is the time. 
Amen. Oh my, may the life be given to Christ right now. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm going to rest on your promise now. Come on, I need some more men. Jesus breaks
Yeah.